0: It is hard doing that every week <laughs> You don't do it quite as good as Jade does yeah. Alright, go Roy All right, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Monthly Podcast <laughs> I'm Roy Vannawater
1: I'm Jade Meskill
0: I'm Clayton Langelzigich I'm Derek Neighbors And joining us today is the improv group in the room next door <laughs> Yelling very loudly <laughs> So today we are talking about thinking simply instead of thinking complexly. So, Jade, you and I have been... Um, accused of being simple. Accused of being simple. <laughs> can, can you tell me a little bit about what that idea means?
1: Uh, sure. <clears throat> uh, we've been trying to... T-
2: <laughs> These guys are really yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to denote that it was entirely quiet for the last 45 minutes before we walked into the studio. It's like the Chicago trading floor.
1: (laughs) Buy, buy, sell, sell.
3: You do soybeans, I'll do (laughs) work.
1: So we've been working on uh, some concepts of trying to write very, very small, simple applications, kind of taking the Unix philosophy and applying it to web applications uh, you know, to avoid the the overcomplication that tends to arise in larger systems.
0: So, what does an overcomplication look like?
1: Um, usually, uh, a system where the uh, responsibility is uh, not very well uh, delineated between either modules or different parts of the application. It, it tends to be very messy and, and kind of sloppy where uh, it's hard to tell uh, where something uh, like there's no discrete functionality I guess is the best way I to say I like think the it.
3: way that I think about it is if you had like a web application where the the code that displays the page where you enter in um, the details about a job is in the same place as the code that makes the jo- saves the job in the database in the same place in the code that schedules the job in the same place in the code that Runs the scheduled job in the same place in the code that, you know, they're all in the same place.
0: So it sounds like everything is in the same place. It sounds pretty simple to me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. Uh, until you get everything all in all the same place and then something goes wrong or you want to change something or, you know, I think we had this problem with the, the Agile Weekly podcast or Agile Weekly website where we had a bunch of things that were all kind of clued together. And I it probably took the approach of like a normal, say, Rails application, mm-hmm. right? Like the mm-hmm. standard Rails way of doing things. And then when l- certain pieces of the system, got a little too big or too unwieldy, it was hard to... Like, it, it seemed like it was simple because it was all in the same place, mm-hmm. but the real simplicity came when we broke those out into little pieces. And then you have these... like Going back to Jay's example, or mentioned the Unix philosophy. We had these little teeny pieces that all did their one little thing really well, and they all just worked together. So why wasn't it
0: obvious to do that stuff that way in the first place?
1: Because in the beginning, that would have actually been more complex...
0: So, so, how do you know when you are doing something complexly instead of simply
1: I think when when it becomes hard to explain,
0: uh, it's probably too complicated. So, so is that like the metaphor idea? like you should be able to you should be able to describe whatever you're building as a metaphor, and as soon as your metaphor starts breaking down, it means that you're putting too much in there is that yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it uh if, if you know
1: if it's if it's not something that you can explain in a a like simple
0: conceptual way. Uh, it's probably gotten a little bit out of control. So is this uh, idea of like complexity versus simplicity something that is just on like, the overall project, or is it something that you see replicating like, down to the individual components of a method or, or a class or something like that? Yeah,
1: yeah it's, a, it's an important recursive idea that, that happens, right? If, if you are being simple with the very, very small parts of your system, uh, it's easier to be simple at the larger scale as well.
3: I think developers uh, in general probably are, like they find it easier to think think in these terms when they're maybe down in like the class or the methods and like, I think that's kind of where they live and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. then you go up a few levels and like even talking about what features you're delivering, right? And I think the, like a lot of developers might understand that concept at that level, but then it gets into features and it's like, well, like the product guy said just build this stuff and like, well, okay, whatever, I don't care, right? Where I think that's an even more important part, like that's or maybe even equally important part To be having this discussion about simple. You know, like having a planning meeting, um, the planning meetings we've been involved in lately for sure, like I think we're constantly driving towards trying to find something that's simple, but not too simple or not too simplistic. Um, And that's a really hard thing to do.
1: Yeah, I think being simple is hard.
0: So, is this the type of thing that I might solve using design patterns? Like, can I just throw those at this problem?
2: (laughs) We have an
1: observer. Let's find out what he's (laughs) doing.
2: I I I think the uh, interesting. (laughs) to me is it's always easier to add complexity than it is to remove complexity. (laughs) And I think when you you start to kind of get that zen piece, it's uh, way easier to say, let's start super simple and we can add what we need to add. Which is a very hard discipline to build, right? Like, even if you're talking product, right? That's really, like, struck it for me is, you know, can't tell you how many times you're talking about a feature and you're up there at a whiteboard drawing it out, and somebody's like, well, that's just too simple. And it's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, if you give this to developers, it might turn into a two-week feature request, even though it sounds so simple right now on the surface, because as human beings, we like to overcomplicate everything all the time. So what drives that, though? Like, why do we
0: want to overcomplicate things?
2: Um, I think it's some of it is uncertainty or like we have this need for um like completeness right so if if we only see this if we only say we're going to show the x and it's like yeah but y and z and a and b are all available to us too like we have to show them well why like what if we just showed x and what if x is enough and that is all that feature needs. Why do we need the? but well, because those other things exist, so we have to show them, right? Like it's, there's very much this, like because we could can, we should mentality. Well, I think another thing we see a lot in our
3: work is that people have a, maybe like an aversion or a misunderstanding of like um, iterative development. So it's like, if we don't do this now, we're, You mean
1: incremental development?
3: Yeah. If we don't do this now, we're never going to do it, right? right? And if you guys don't, plan every single thing that we think we know then like we're totally screwed right you guys are going to forget it and to be fair i bet you there's a lot of product people out there who have teams that maybe aren't the most reliable and don't deliver what they say they're going to deliver and all those things so when you when someone were to come in and say like hey we're going to do some really simple thing and ship it real soon it's kind of like yeah i don't believe you right i wonder i wonder if there's some of the fear i'm not going
0: to Take that risk. To me, it sounds kind of like there's a little bit like the 85-15 rule, right? Where you can deliver 85% of the value with 15% of the uh, effort, and then you spend the other 85% of your time delivering the last 15% of the value. Like, I have worked with uh, different product people, designers, and architects in the past where, like, they want to get all 100% because they know that if you spend 15% of the effort now to deliver 85% of the value, you're never going to spend the other 85% to deliver the last 15%, which maybe a really awesome business decision, but you'll never be 100% as good as it could be.
2: Well, I I think some of it is, I mean, I think kind of building off Clado's response there is there are a lot of teams where if you say, okay, fine, let's just do X. And you say, okay, let's do Y. Okay, let's do Z. And you say, okay, let's do A. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to rewrite the whole thing. Like, if you would have told us up front that we had to do A, we would have totally built this in a different way. And now that you want A, like... We just have to throw away the last six months' worth of work and start all over, and if only you would have told us. And once they get trained for that, it becomes, if I know anything, I must disclose it now and tell you that you have to build it into the app. Because if I disclose it later, you may come back and tell me, oh, man, we have to throw everything out and start again.
0: So by disclosing everything up front and insisting that it all gets done, the product owner is really trying to maximize his choice later on down the road.
2: Right. His they're, ability to choose. They're, they're later trying now. to mitigate their risk, I believe. If they disclose all that and say, we need to do all of that," then, then they think they're mitigating the risk of somebody coming back later and saying, "Oh, we can't do that because you didn't tell us." But in reality, what they do is actually increase their risk exponentially because they make it so it becomes almost impossible to deliver what they're asking for.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, the, the cognitive load becomes much more to right. deal with and, and grok all of right. those additional features when they're not yet needed.
0: Well, and you probably, yeah, it, it sounds to me like then you're going to try to build a system that's overly architected just in case you have to build any of the number of features you've been right. told you have to support.
1: Like
3: one thing like recently that made it, like, it maybe clarified this a bit more for me was that we had a situation where we wanted to deliver some features that would have been nice to have a database having a database <laughs> was a non trivial thing right? right so we used the file system like we were effectively storing we had a table with a row you know one a, column a, in it right a, that's a all folder with files in it yeah so we had a folder of files and for the purposes of what we needed that was if, if like that was sufficiently complex for what we wanted to do now, I think some people hear that and they think like, "What are you effing crazy? You can't <laughs> use a, <file laughs> You're not using a database. That's crazy." But, but for I think what we understood was right now for what we're trying to do for this little slice, that's all we need right now. And we acknowledge that that is not a long term solution, but it's going to be as long term as it needs to be for what we want to do with it.
1: Well, and it was very simple to replace.
3: Exactly
2: right. Right. I think I think where this started to really come in play for me was when we started to cross the chasm, so to speak, in doing a lot more mobile development. Mm. And so things that we thought were pretty trick and pretty slick and pretty simple and pretty small started to fall down really, really quick when a customer would say, hey, by the way, I, I need an Android version or an iPhone version of this. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, dude, like, having a... <sighs> Man... And so then when it got to the point like, okay, let's make everything a REST API, and we'll have the front end consume, the the web version consume that API, and hey, now we can have... The iPhone right. version. Can Anything can that use this API. API, right. right? Like it started to like, I think, click a little bit more just even in that, that you could kind of separate these concerns a little bit better. And I think then you can start to say, okay, now how to make, we make those apps even smaller and smaller and smaller and keep slicing those so that they're easier and easier to replace. So that when you do find something new, you might not have to rewrite the whole system to do something. You might be able to rewrite just a little piece of the system to do something, which is a lot less risk and, and, a, and a lot easier to do.
1: Yeah, and that that 's kind of where Roy and I got into writing these micro applications that had very discrete functionality uh, because we were having trouble even even with that simplified view of things of just having a, a an API and a web service that was still wasn 't good enough there's still too much commingling of uh, of functionality between different classes and you know the abstractions weren't weren 't good enough so we kind of took a, a crazy stance and Tried to work on like how could we build the smallest possible thing to do just this one job and then chain all those things together as needed.
0: Yeah, I felt like that worked for those instances. I, I, I'm curious to try it in more places and see how well it spreads across the board. Cause in that case, it was a project that only ended up needing like five, it was being ended up being a collection of five or six of these smaller apps. But when you start to build a more complex user experience where you have, like a, uh, like, a whole storefront or something where the user has to interact with all these different components and you try to keep all of those pieces separate, like, I wonder how well that's going to play together.
3: I feel, like, feel pretty confident in it just from the Unix example. Like, I don't know, pick any, pick any five Unix commands. Like, you could probably do a bunch of stuff if you selected, you know, if you chose wisely, right? Sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think it does fall down at a certain point, though. And what I mean by that is there's a whole lot of things people do um, that they don't do with Unix commands anymore. Sure. Right? Like you could use sed, awk, and grep to do a whole lot of things, but you probably Everything. You probably open up VI or Sublime to do it sure. instead because the interface is easier even though it's commingled and all mashed into an, an application that does a whole hell of a lot more than those simple things. So I, I think there are these kind of, uh, it's nice to assemble them smallly, small little apps that interact. But when you have to chain too many interactions together, the complexity of remembering what and how to chain things starts to become cumbersome. That, and that, so that and when
0: there's like a whole bunch of apps that you don't even know existed. Yeah. So you start it, rewriting them yourself.
2: Yeah, and so I think what tends to happen is when you have things that have kind of like common things, you start to see those assembled into other apps, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say that sed and awk and Grep kind of get used within most editors that developers use today. Because because they just make sense to kind of bundle natively into an editor rather than to drop out to a shell and do them, right? But I think the work that those things did and put in place are straight up stolen and reused inside of those editors.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's just like when we talked about uh, we built a simple app, but at some point it became too complicated. And so... uh, it was actually simpler to take a different approach of writing smaller more complicated apps i think this is the contrary yeah. example of at some point that becomes absurd right. because the interactions are too complicated right mm-hmm. and so now you find a simpler way to merge those things together.
2: Yeah, and I think it goes back to it's always easier to get more complex. So if we've got the said, the oc, the grep, and we need to put them all together, like we know those things really, really well now, and so we know how to assemble them into an interface or into certain things a lot better than if we would have tried to build those things as part of a bigger complicated thing right. to start with.
1: I think that's where uh, some, of the, some of the ideas around like hexagonal uh, design can come into play where you're composing Uh, complex systems out of simpler modules and simpler pieces.
3: Yeah, and and we've been talking a lot about, like, in terms of software, but I think the same stuff applies to, like, process things, right? You could take these little components and do them very well, and you can build some sort of process that works, um, and maybe it gets too big at some times, and maybe you decompose and whatever, but it's not just whole-scale uh, you know from a coding example you know jumping straight into some massive uh, java architecture you know thing and maybe that's the same thing as like we're going to get on the jira train and safe this mother up you
1: know. <laughs> or it's like hey
3: let's like try and get good at user stories and then like you know maybe let's try and get good at like talking to each other as a team right, let's get good at working together yeah you know like, let's try those things first and then you know you can jira me to death <laughs>
0: all right and on that note i will see you next month bye-bye
3: Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com/podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes.
0: Need help with your agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.